uh, almost four weeks since we implemented the Phase 2 heightened alert measures. These measures, coupled with the strong support from Singaporeans, we have been able to bring the COVID-19 situation in Singapore under control. I want to take this opportunity to, to thank Singaporeans for your cooperation over the last few weeks. We did not implement a full circuit breaker, but we know that Singaporeans took the heightened alert measures very seriously and kept one another safe. Over the last few weeks, the number of COVID-19 cases, both linked and unlinked, has fallen progressively. Fewer clusters are emerging and generally smaller clusters. Our aggressive tracking and testing regimes have also allowed us to detect and ring-fence potential cases much earlier, slowing down and limiting the transmission in the community. We continue to make good progress in our vaccination efforts and we are well on our way to giving 50% of our population the first dose. We know that many young Singaporeans are eager to be vaccinated. From tomorrow, those aged 12 to 39 year old will be able to start booking their vaccination slots. And Singaporeans in this age group will be given a two-week priority window to book an appointment. Once again, I encourage all Singaporeans who are eligible to be vaccinated to take the jab. And if you know of others around you who have not taken the jab, please encourage them to do so, especially among the elderly and the vulnerable. Minister Ong will provide more details later. With the frequent testing, rigorous contact tracing and expanded vaccination coverage, coupled with community cases being under control, we will begin to progressively roll back the Phase 2 heightened alert measures. For example, from next Monday, we will increase the cap for social gathering, group sizes for social gathering from 2 to 5. Later on, from 21st June, we will allow dining services to resume with up to five persons per table. Dining in is considered a high-risk activity because masks are off and we want to ensure the situation is stable before allowing dining in to resume. Minister Lawrence Wong will elaborate on this later. Even as we progressively resume more activities, I urge everyone to remain vigilant. We may continue to see a few cases every day, but that's the nature of the virus. What we hope and aim to do is to keep the number low overall and avoid large clusters. Let's work together to continue to push ahead with vaccination, keep to the safe distancing rules and keep everyone safe as we continue our progress to open up our economy and our community. Now, if you allow me to say a few words in Mandarin. Shoshian 也让我们能够更有效地制止疫情的蔓延。再加上我们疫苗接种的计划也如期顺利地进行，使我们可以从开始重新开放社区和经济活动。在这里，让我再次地。
，谢谢国人的配合，让我们继续同心努力，推动疫苗接种工作，以以保我们国人的安全。谢谢。Now I'd like to hand over to Minister Ong Yikang to talk about the, from a MOH point of view. Thank you. So, uh, Minister Lawrence Wong, DMS, and myself will elaborate on what uh, Minister Gan have just said. Um, first, on the situation, on the on the pandemic's health, public health situation, we have had low cases now for about five days since sixth um, of June. We have cases not more than six, and amongst the six cases, mostly linked, um, mostly due already quarantine when they are detected and mostly transmitted from home. So these are all positive signs. Seven-day moving average number of cases as of yesterday is 11.9. So compared to seven days ago, that's 14.4. So it has trending down. And compared to when we were at the peak, which is slightly more than two weeks ago, that was 22.6. So we have come down 22.6 to 14.4 to now 11.9. So. As Minister Gan said, you know, we managed to break the chain of transmission, I think, and control this wave of transmission without a painful circuit breaker. Yeah. Instead, we use uh, extensive ring fencing, contact tracing, using trace together, quarantine, extensive testing, localized lockdowns of malls, of schools, and vaccinations. And these are all capabilities that we have built over the last one year. So with all these capabilities, we really hope we have put Circuit Breaker as a response behind us. That means if there are any future outbreaks, we can use all these methods to control and break the chain of transmissions as opposed to a very blanket approach and very painful CB. But while cases have been low for five days, can't be complacent especially given the high transmissibility of the Delta strain. Um, we are not totally out of the woods because we need to see the seven-day moving average cases continue to trend down. It's still 11.9, so we need to see it trend down. And at least go through one full incubation of 14 days from the time we started to have low daily cases. That means from 6th of June, when we started to have low cases, to about 20th of June, one full incubation cycle, in order for us to feel more assured that the embers of this virus, most of them has been put, have been put out. And DMS will explain this and elaborate on this concept. This also means uh, any resumption of activities should be done in phases. Yeah. Uh, First on 14 June, next Monday, and then 21st June. So Minister Lawrence Wong will elaborate later. Um, let me now update on our vaccination exercise. It is progressing well. As of 9th of June, more than 4.4 million doses uh, have been administered. And more than 2.5 million people of our population have had at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine. That means about 44% of our population has received at least one dose of the vaccine. And we are now vaccinating about 49,000 doses on a daily basis. And we have the capacity to maintain this acceleration of our vaccine rollout, provided 
our supplies are steady and continue to arrive. Yeah. Let me now update on a few segments of our population and their vaccination progress. First, a very important group, which is our seniors, above 60. About 74% of them, or three in four of our seniors, have received at least one dose of the vaccine or they have booked an appointment for vaccination. And since we announced at the last MTF conference on 31st May that they now don't have to book, they just need to walk into a centre and get themselves vaccinated, 11,500 of them have done so. Yeah. And they continue to come to our vaccination centre and I encourage them to do so and get themselves protected. The next group, 45 to 59, age 45 to 59, about also 74%, three in four, have received at least one dose of the vaccine or have registered or booked for vaccination. As for the younger group of 40 to 44, they started only recently on 19th of May, 65% of them have done so. Now I move on to the younger group, uh, the students. The response has been most encouraging. Sign-ups strong across all levels. Yeah. JC, ITE, Poly, secondary school, so on. Even the PSLE group. And so far, about 85% of students have either received their first dose or booked their appointment. Now let me move on to the other group. Um, the individuals who have, who have uh, allergies to drug uh, or to certain drugs or food and have been rejected by us before at our vaccination centre. There's a total of 32,000 of them. And as you know, the expert committee has recently recommended after studying global data that it is safe for them to undergo vaccination. So SMS has been sent to these 32,000 individuals. More than a third have since booked an appointment and more are coming. Of all local COVID-19 cases, uh, let me now move on to another piece of important data, which is um, the effect of vaccination on uh, infection as well as severity of the illness, particularly on the latter. So of all COVID-19 cases since 11 April, for those who are unvaccinated, 9% develop serious disease, meaning they need supplemental oxygen or even ICU. So 9, plus 9 out of 100 require supplemental oxygen or ICU. Amongst those fully vaccinated, there are now 131 who were infected. Amongst them, one requires supplemental oxygen and the patient uh, was already ill before infection. Um, in other words, 9% versus less than 1%, in fact, about 0.8%, less than 0.8%. We will be inviting the remaining age groups, that is those aged 12 to 39, to sign up for vaccination from tomorrow. And this is a big group of about 1.5 million people yet to be vaccinated. So Singapore citizens aged 12 to 39 who have yet to be invited will get a two-week priority window to book your vaccination. Uh, let me offer a tip here. Because we extended to students and for the younger students, they can only take 
um, Pfizer-BioNTech. So for those who are invited to book a vaccination, if you go to a Moderna center, you are more likely to get an earlier slot. So bear that in mind. Uh, our experts have also recommended that those who have recovered from COVID-19 infection should receive a single dose of vaccine to further boost their immunity against COVID-19. So from tomorrow, we will also commence single-dose vaccination for persons who have recovered from COVID-19 infection more than six months ago. Now, let me talk a little bit about testing. Um, as we want to resume more activities, we need to make testing fast, easy and accessible. So the Health Sciences Authority or HSA has granted interim authorization to four antigen rapid tests. They are self-test kits for sale to general public. And these tests produce quick results in less than 20 minutes. They are simple to use. They can be self-administered. From next week, 16 of June, these kits will be dispensed by pharmacists at selected retail pharmacies. We will then open up for counter sales at more retail locations progressively. Now let me just uh, finish off with a few words in Mandarin.超过60岁的年长者中 一万一千五百名年长者已经这么做了，希望大家再接再厉，继续的响应这个号召。接下来呢，就是学生啊，学生的反应也是非常令人感到鼓舞。每个年级的学生都有很好的反应，到目前为止呢，大约百分之八十五
The tightened safe management measures introduced during Phase 2 heightened alert have helped to break or slow down the chain of transmission and reduce the overall number of community cases. In today's press statement that will come out later, uh, we will be announcing four new cases, two of which are linked to previous cases or clusters, and two as yet remain unlinked. We have worked hard with epidemiological investigations to determine whether unlinked cases were linked to other cases or clusters and what the potential modes of transmission are. The proportion of community cases that are unlinked has progressively decreased from 19% in the week before to 11% in the past week. A number of the previously unlinked cases have also been found to have links with other cases and clusters after these investigations and phylogenetic testing had been completed. The proportion of community cases that were isolated before COVID-19 infection was confirmed has also increased steadily from 59% in the week before to 80% in the past week. And this suggests that we have been largely successful in our contact tracing and ring fencing efforts uh, are disrupting further spread from these cases. Our extensive testing around clusters in the community includes special testing operations taking place in the community. For example, as of the 7th of June, more than 44,000 individuals had been tested in relation to the GEM Westgate cluster, with 10 infected cases being detected. But the last positive case from this testing operations was detected on the 24th of May, and there have not been new cases detected from this special testing operation since. And this suggests again that our testing and quarantine measures have slowed community transmission considerably. However, there are still unlinked cases where their source of infection and the method of spread is unclear, despite our efforts at contact tracing and epidemiological investigations. These unlinked cases continue to spread infection, and we have seen clusters emerge from these cases. The clusters have arisen largely through spread in the household setting, with the remaining rising in school or workplace settings, or in social community settings. In the past week, the proportion of community-linked cases that were infected through household transmissions has increased to 86% in the past week, compared to 75% in the week before. As Minister Ong has stated, from the public health perspective, we will be more confident that we have good control of community transmission if we see a sustained drop in the number of cases, particularly of unlinked community cases, for at least a duration of 14 days or one incubation period. As we saw the drop in the number of community cases occurring last week after the 5th of June, the next one week is important to confirm our assessment. While the situation continues to improve, the fact that we see occasional unlinked cases in the community indicates that cryptic spread of infection in the community has been suppressed but has not been eradicated. If we drop our guard, be complacent, lose our discipline in practicing mask wearing, and stop adhering to safe management measures as we lighten up on phase two heightened alert measures, more unlinked cases can easily arise. And given the presence of viral variants of concern, uh, particularly the Delta variant, or the formerly known as B16172 variant, which is said to be more transmissible in closed settings, large clusters of cases can easily rise over a short period of time. 
It's therefore prudent that our reopening be paced and progressive so that the increased social, community and workplace activities that result from reopening do not result in an increase in new cases. Minister Ong has shared also about HSA's provisional approval of four antigen rapid tests or ART self-test kits for sale to the general public. These are the Abbott Pan-Bio COVID-19 antigen self-test, the QuickView at Home OTC COVID-19 test, the SD Biosensor SARS-CoV-2 antigen self-test nasal, and the SD Biosensor Standard Q COVID-19 antigen home test. These test kits will be dispensed by pharmacists at selected Guardian, Watson's and Unity Retail Pharmacies from next week, in other words, from the 16th of June, and will be made available at more retail locations progressively. We also open up for counter sales at various retail locations later. More information on ART, including how it is to be used, how the results may be interpreted, will be made available through various media channels and in the MOH website, again from the 16th of June onwards. To ensure that there are adequate supplies for all, sales will initially be limited to 10 ART test kits per person, but we will eventually allow test kits to be freely purchased as more ART test kit supplies are made available for retail sales. The ART self-test kits complement our overall surveillance strategy. These fast and easy-to-use tests allow us to detect infected cases more quickly, in particular among individuals who do not have acute respiratory infection symptoms, but are concerned that they may have been exposed to COVID-19. For example, if they have been to places that a confirmed case had also visited. Individuals with a positive ART self-test result must immediately see a doctor at a SASH clinic for a confirmatory PCR test. They should then self-isolate until they receive a negative PCR test result. Those who test negative should continue to stay vigilant and adhere to the prevailing safe management measures, including mask wearing, safe distancing, and practicing of good hand hygiene. The individuals who have ERI symptoms should visit a doctor for full evaluation and proper assessment using a PCR test instead of relying only on ERT self-test kits. Regular testing is key to our ability to reopen and will be part of our way of life in future. Testing allows us to detect and isolate cases in the community more quickly and will allow more economic and social activities to continue, even as we detect cases and clusters. Testing also provides us with the assurance, that greater assurance, that our homes, retail places and workplaces are safe. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'd like to add my thanks to everyone in Singapore for your forbearance and cooperation, which has enabled us to bring this latest outbreak under control. As my fellow co-chairs have shared, uh, we did not go into a full and painful circuit breaker to control this latest round of outbreaks. Instead, we took a targeted approach in identifying and managing the key areas of risk. And we coupled that with aggressive testing, extensive contact, contact tracing, and accelerated vaccination. And this strategy has proven to be effective in bringing cases down and in controlling the spread. So now, 
we are able to exit phase two heightened alert and resume more activities. And we will do so in a controlled manner and in two stages. The first stage will happen from 14th of June on Monday. Uh, what are some of the moves we will make? We will, as you heard just now, increase the current social gathering group size from two persons to five persons. We will increase the cap on the number of distinct visitors per household per day, likewise to five persons. And we continue to encourage everyone to limit the number of social gatherings to no more than two a day. So group sizes generally will go from two to five. For venues like attractions, museums and public libraries, we will increase the current capacity from 25% to 50%. For gatherings and uh, events, we will also increase the size limits. This will apply to uh, situations like mines, uh, sports events, cinemas, congregational services, as well as marriage solemnizations. Generally, for these types of settings, the guideline will be you can proceed with 50 attendees without pre-event testing, but with pre-event testing, you can go up to 250 attendees. There are some settings where masks are not worn, but these tend to be lower risk because people are not talking. And so we will resume activities in such settings, and that would apply, for example, to facial services, as well as to taking of photographs during a marriage solemnization. So you will be able to do that uh, from 14th of June. So that covers the first stage of reopening. The second stage will happen from the week after, on the 21st of June. Uh, then we will resume dining in at F&B outlets and establishments with the maximum group size of five uh, applied in these settings. Uh, we will also resume other higher risk activities without mask on, and this would include activities in gyms, fitness studios, other types of mask off sports activities, in-person tuition and enrichment classes, which also has been higher risk. We will allow all of these to resume from 21st of June onwards. Wedding receptions and banquets will also be allowed to restart with a maximum of 100 attendees, including the wedding couple, and with pre-event testing required. We will still require everyone to work from home as a default during this period, even in the coming weeks. So employers should ensure that employees are, who are able to work from home continue to do so, and should continue to stagger the start time of their employees and implement flexible working hours. We think that's still necessary in order to minimize movement and to minimize risk. Some businesses will be effectively closed for another week because of this two-stage reopening process, so we will continue to extend the job support scheme to them during this period. With increased activity levels as we reopen and resume more activities, we must be prepared to see more cases. Because, as we all know, there are still hidden cases in the community which can easily flare up, especially with this highly transmissible variant. We won't be able to eradicate all of these hidden or cryptic cases in the community, so we will have to learn to live with the virus and then try our best to minimize transmission 
and minimize the risk of large clusters breaking out. How do we do this? First, we must continue to ensure compliance with all the safe distancing rules and safe management measures, especially in higher-risk settings like F&B outlets where people do not have their mask on. So while I understand that F&B operators will be disappointed that they have to wait one more week before they can reopen, I would ask all of them to take, make use of the one week to really go through their processes, their protocols, make sure that their restaurant layouts comply fully with the rules, that diners, when they come in, would be one meter apart at least, and have good ventilation in their restaurants because we know that these are high-risk settings. Second, we will introduce more regular testing. We will require this for all staff who work at high-risk settings without their mask on. And that will include dining, F&B establishments, facial services, saunas, gyms, and fitness studios. So anyone working in these kinds of settings will have to go for regular testing with the uh, rapid antigen test kits that we've talked about. So we will introduce this new fast and effective testing regime for high-risk uh, workers. And the details of how to go about the testing will be announced later. Third, we will have faster and more comprehensive contact tracing as we have been doing this past few weeks. So each time we pick up a positive case, we will move in quickly with search testing and with a very wide ring fence to contain the spread of the virus. This means that more, more people will have to be tested. Potentially more people will be issued quarantine orders or even mandatory stay-home requirements. And each time we pick up a positive case, we may have to subject that workplace, the FMB outlet, or even the entire mall to closures, perhaps for two weeks, in order to ensure that that case doesn't spread out into the rest of the community. In other words, we will take more aggressive, localized actions and we will try our, our very best to avoid having to impose general nationwide restrictions like another circuit breaker. Uh, we think that's the way to live with the virus while enabling most activities to resume. So with all the moves that uh, I've just described over this two-stage process, we will essentially be moving back to phase three heightened alert. It's not quite the full phase three, we call this phase three heightened alert because there are still these uh, restrictions in place. And that's because we are reopening in a cautious and controlled manner and maintaining very strict controls at our borders. We need all of these controls in place until our vaccination rates are higher. Look at the experience in America as an example. More than 40% of people in America are fully vaccinated, two doses. And about 10% of them have been infected with the virus. So we're talking about an immunity of about 50% or more, slightly more. And with that coverage, already you can see their infection rates are steadily coming down. We are not there yet, but we will get there soon. We expect 50% of people in Singapore to be fully vaccinated in August. 
and by October, we should reach an overall vaccination rate of 75% or hopefully more. So as we progress through these stages, we will ease our restrictions and gradually restore our normal lives both within Singapore and at our borders. Then we will move to phase three and even beyond phase three to a new normal phase of living with endemic COVID. Meanwhile, let's continue to stay focused, united, and work together so that we can reopen safely. Let me just say a few words in Mandarin to wrap up. 大家下午好。首先非常感谢大家配合我们的防疫措施。由于大家的合作,目前的整体情况有所改善。因此接下来我们将分两个阶段。放宽防疫措施。第一阶段从6月14日起,聚会人数将从目前的两人提高到5人。每户家庭每天能接待的房客也从两人提高到五人。参加宗教活动等大型活动的人数限制也将提高，而且必须进行活动前检测。此外，风险比较低的美容护理等服务也可以恢复，但是大家应该继续尽量在家办公。第二阶
there will be these cases emerging. The key to uh, sort of containing it is to make sure that even when cases do emerge, we keep the situation under control and we do not allow large clusters from breaking out in the community. And the way we are going about that is by doing more aggressive testing, by doing wider and more comprehensive contact tracing, and continuing our vaccination program to get more people vaccinated. So these are the strategies which we are utilizing now, which will allow us to resume more activities safely. Thank you, Minister. We will have the next question from Super uh, Cao Pao. Uh, Minister Ong would like to add on to the comment. Yes, yeah. So what, what Minister Lawrence said is very true when more people circulate. But I think there was also an impetus, and we know it came through the border. Um, so what have we learned? I think we just have to be a lot tighter on the borders now. So you have monitored what we have announced over time, trotted down the figures, trotted down the numbers, impose uh, pre-departure testing across the board, including returning Singaporeans and PRs, um, outright ban on certain high-risk places. Um, so I think the posture as we open up um, this, this stage of opening back to phase three heightened alert, we also need to make sure we continue to secure our borders because it takes both the impetus coming through the border as well as local circulation to create a wave of transmission. So these are all the things that uh, we are constantly improving on and learning from past experiences. Thank you. It's also important to remember, I think, what the DMS had mentioned just now. Uh, as we open up, uh, every time when we open up, we must expect that uh, with the opening up, you are going to see more interaction in the community. And therefore, the risk of transmission will definitely go up. And that is why it is important for us to continue to observe whatever rules that remain in place so as to reduce the risk of transmission. Uh, we have seen this uh, even uh, pre uh, uh, last year when we moved from phase uh, uh, circuit breaker coming out from circuit breaker into phase one, we see an increase in numbers. And from phase one to phase two, phase two to phase three, we also see increases in number initially, but if we continue to remain tight in our uh, safe distancing measures, we will be able to control it and to bring it down quickly. So I think it's the same thing. Uh, in fact, uh, Minister Wong has emphasized that as we move from uh, phase two heightened alert to phase three heightened alert, we must expect that the number of cases may go up because of increased interaction. And what we need to do is continue to push ahead with our vaccination program at the same time, step up our testing and contact tracing to ensure that we are able to contain these infections quickly to reduce the risk of a big cluster forming. I think that must be our strategy. And if you are able to succeed in doing that, then it will allow us to continue on our journey of opening up and move towards a, uh, a steady state uh, situation in time to come. Thank you, Ministers. We'll have the next question from Tzu Peng Pao. Hi, good afternoon, Ministers and DMS. This is Zhu Peng from Zaobao. So uh, South Korea announced yesterday that uh, it's hoping to expedite travel bubble talks with Singapore from as early as July. So um, could you kindly share some updates on the progress of these discussions? And also for the cluster at Block 506 Aukang Avenue 8, maybe know um, what has been known about the possible transmission modes that prompted MOH to conclude that these 13 confirmed cases are related. Since all these 13 cases are from the same stack, could sewage transmission have been possible? Thank you. 
I'll ask uh, Mr. Ong to respond to the uh, uh, travel bubble uh, issue and I'll ask uh, DMS to report on the Aogang cluster. Yeah, Lawrence and I look at each other this time, so I'll take the first question. Um, on South Korea, as I answered before, the, the term air travel bubble um, has been very loosely used. Um, so Hong Kong, Singapore, for example, is looking at a fairly ambitious air travel bubble, was looking, has been looking, uh, where there is just pre-departure testing, on-arrival testing, without any quarantine when you arrive. Yeah? So that is really between two very safe regions, wanting to form a, a, a free travel uh, area, which we call it ATB. But there are other, other concepts of um, uh, air travel bubbles. For example, in, for some countries, resuming commercial flight is called air travel bubble. In the case of South Korea, I believe the concept has been a vaccinated travel bubble, yeah, which means if both regions have managed their um, their infections up to a very low level, not totally eradication, but quite low, and they are confident that if travelers are vaccinated, it's safe enough to travel with some uh, precautions such as testing before departure and arrival. I think these are concepts that we need to think about for the medium term, and definitely not in the this period when we are just recovering from this wave of transmission and opening up in stages. But I think it's always good that we, we cast our mind uh, several months down the road because we do need to live our lives normally and resume normalcy. That must include some traveling to safe places in a safe way. And so I think there's, uh, it's actually good to continue discussions with different partners, regions and countries on what are the possibilities going ahead. But as of now, I don't think there are any firm plans. With regard to the Aokang Avenue 8 uh, cluster, epidemiological investigations are still ongoing. So we have not uh, uh, come to a firm decision or conclusion as to what the mode of transmission was in the cases that we have picked up uh, in initially uh, one block and block 5, so 6. Uh, but we continue to investigate uh, and uh, are also looking at uh, cases that have uh, also arisen and were detected in uh, other blocks uh, within the vicinity. Uh, the phylogenetic uh, testing for those cases that have already been completed and those results have come out suggests uh, that the uh, viral strain uh, for these infections are, are the same. So it does point to uh, either uh, a, a common uh, exposure that many of these uh, cases have had or at least uh, uh, some of these uh, people being infected initially and subsequent spread occurring um, perhaps in the household setting. We uh, are looking at various possibilities. Um, there is always a possibility that uh, many of these cases shared uh, common areas because they live in the same block uh, and uh, some of these flats are within the uh, same stack. Uh, it does not necessarily mean that they're spread through uh, sewage or even uh, air flow ventilation issues, but it could well be because they had passed each other in close contact uh, as they moved out of their flats into the community and back. Uh, using common facilities including lifts, uh, staircases. So we are, we're looking at all possibilities and we've not uh, uh, come down to point to a particular uh, definitive cause of transmission just yet. Uh, we are also focusing on uh, the blocks around uh, block 506, not exclusively only 506. The initial testing we did was for that particular block. 
We've extended it now to uh, the other blocks in the vicinity uh, because we've also uh, picked up uh, other cases uh, that have also uh, been uh, living in the vicinity of uh, Block 506. So they, those investigations are still ongoing, uh, but we are quite determined to pick up as many cases to disrupt the chains of transmission. So the testing operation continues and we are continuing to be uh, inviting all residents uh, to come down to volunteer to step forward for that testing. Uh, let me add that uh, I had a discussion with uh, my counterpart in Hong Kong uh, recently and we touched on the issue of uh, travel bubble and both of us uh, acknowledge that it is important for uh, both parties to put in place safe uh, uh, management measures in order for this to open up and uh, one of the key measures is really to enhance our vaccination rate and I, once we have a very high vaccination rate then it opens up a lot more possibilities and uh, offer us greater flexibility even in uh, international traveling. Uh, but both of us also acknowledge that uh, the hard work of uh, our transport ministers in the past uh, between the two places have uh, established the basic uh, framework for this collaboration in air travel. I think this will serve us well in time to come. And the discussion uh, is continuing, uh, but uh, I think it will require some time, especially uh, until we are able to raise our vaccination rate, uh, then this will give us greater confidence and greater flexibility in implementing air travel bubbles. Thank you, Ministers and DMS. Dear members of public, just a gentle reminder to keep to one question per media only. We'll have the next question from Su Hui, Channel News Asia. Hi, Ministers and DMS. Um, the question is about the phased approach and reopening uh, between 14 June and 21st June. What's the difference between the activities relaxed from 14 June and those from 21st June? Why this approach and uh, what's beyond 21st June? Also, not much is mentioned about border reopening. How do we balance opening up borders as well as containing the situation at home, especially since variants may have been picked up from abroad? Well, we have highlighted two steps because in the second step we are resuming activities which we have identified to be of higher risk and these are predominantly the activities where people are engaged in interactions without their mask on. If you look at it, it's FMB, it's gyms, fitness. Uh, these are the higher risk settings and that's why we decided to wait as was mentioned just now, for a full incubation cycle of low, stable numbers, and then we will be able to resume these activities that are of higher risk on the 21st of June. And that's, that's why we are doing it in two steps rather than just immediately. As for the border controls, again, you heard just now, we are continuing as we emerge out of this uh, heightened alert period phase 3 heightened alert, we still have to uh, ensure that we keep things fairly tight so we will continue to have tight border measures as we have in the past but we have learned from the experiences we have put in place additional safeguards, additional precautions and these are all in place at the airports as well as the SHN hotels and at, at the same time we have throttled back the flows during this period we do understand at some point in time the demands for workers, in, whether it's migrant workers for the construction sector or migrant domestic workers to look after families, that those demands are there. And at some point in time, 
we will have to consider how to allow more of them to come in. But we will study, you know, based on the situation in the overseas countries, in the source countries. We will review and make sure that our processes are tight. And then as and when we are ready and when our local situation remains stable for a while after it has been stabilized, uh, then we might consider at some stage allowing uh, more of a flow of such workers to come in. Uh, but exactly when, I, I don't think we can give you a timeline right now because we continue to monitor the situation and our focus has to be make, has to be to make sure that within Singapore and within our community we can progressively resume more activities safely. So that remains our focus. Maybe let me try give an analogy now. So this wave of fire is, is not like the it's like uh, this wave of infection is not like a big forest fire where the entire thing is burning. You see spots of fire. We didn't resort to flying overhead and dropping big water bombs. But the trucks went in with our tanks, water tanks and hose, and we managed to put it out. We just put it out for five days. And now we are looking. We don't know whether the embers are burning and if we catch some dry leaves, it may spark off again. But we are at that stage where we are watching. The fire looks like it's been put out. There are still some embers and we are watching it. And I think this is where we are now. So from now to 21st and probably a couple of weeks beyond, it's a very cautious period where we are cautiously opening up. So basically we are doing this in a step-by-step -step approach. The next couple of weeks, the focus is on opening up our local economy, our local domestic community to allow people to gather, to allow people to dine in. And once uh, this is opened up, as I mentioned, there's a, a, a possibility that the number of cases may go up for a while and we will need to, uh, to uh, accelerate our testing, our vaccination, our contact tracing to keep the numbers low so that we can continue our journey of opening up. And part of that journey will be to look at border control, how we can ease off the border control to allow the critical uh, uh, migrant workers to come in including uh, migrant domestic workers which our families need uh, to support. Uh, so therefore, it is important for us to remember that it is a staged process and we need to do so progressively and safely. And every step, we have to look at the situation to ensure that if there's any fire because of the ember, like Minister Ong mentioned, has been put out before we start opening up again. So I think it's a step-by-step -step approach. Thank you, Ministers. We will now take the next question from Stefania, Financial Times. Hi, good afternoon. Um, I wanted to pick up on the point that Minister Wong made about sort of the longer term uh, new normal phase of living, sort of even post phase three, so truly sort of longer, longer term. And I wanted to ask you, what is the eventual sort of COVID strategy you know, once you've done everything you can, you've reached your vaccination target, but COVID obviously remains endemic on a global scale. Um, how do you reopen borders with the knowledge that you might still get flare ups? And how do you do so while, you know, allaying potential concerns among uh, the population at home? Well, it will be very hard to give you a full picture because this is something that's still work in progress and we are at this stage developing our strategy for that next phase 
of living with COVID on a, on a permanent basis, perhaps, because it's very likely that COVID will never go away. Uh, the key first prerequisite, number one, is that we need high vaccination rates. And not just this year, but even subsequently, we probably need um, boosters for everyone. So we need a proper and comprehensive vaccination program, which we are already starting to think about. Uh, beyond that, uh, we probably could start easing and uh, relaxing some of the restrictions, both locally and at our borders. But we'll have to think through what are some sensible precautions that still ought to be taken, even within Singapore, within our community, and certainly at the borders. Perhaps not um, you know, across the board tightening, but more risk-based, more targeted, uh, and taking into account the overall infection situation in the respective in the countries overseas, as well as the vaccination status of the traveller. And then we can design more targeted uh, safeguards and precautions around that. Uh, and then uh, within Singapore itself, I think as if we were to take such an approach, um, we will want to... It, it's no longer about looking at daily case numbers. It's no longer about, um, you know, going after each and every per, uh, infected case because it's very likely that even if a person were to be infected, despite having the vaccination, as you heard just now, uh, the, vex the, the breakthrough infections uh, result in very mild or even asymptomatic treatments. So we will need a different protocol for such cases. And beyond that, hopefully there may even be um, better medical treatments that will give us greater assurance that even if a vaccine breakthrough, uh, breakthrough infection were to occur, even in, the, in a rare occasion where there are serious uh, illnesses, treatments are available and people can recover. Right? So with all of these coming together, then I think we will have um, a more sensible approach towards uh, living with COVID that will allow us to resume most of our daily lives and most normal activities while ensuring that mortality, hospitalization, fatality rates are all kept very low. We just add something. This is a big conversation about endemic COVID. And rest assured, Singapore, like many other countries, we are thinking of how we eventually enter an endemic stage, living with COVID safely and able to live life normally. Um, it, it will be a journey. Um, I think we, this is something that the MTF is discussing. And I think there will have to be a plan and a roadmap in the months ahead. As of now, I think we are focused on suppressing this wave. But you can see some signs of it, if I may just point out, which is now, every day, we are not just looking at infection cases linked and unlinked. We are also looking at people who are severely ill. For example, today, 10 needs oxygen and one in ICU. So these are the clinical outcomes. What matters in the end is these are the clinical outcomes. In between, there are many people who are asymptomatic or have uh, uh, mild symptoms and they are isolated. But what matters is the outcome, the clinical outcomes, 10 in oxygen, hospitalized, one ICU. The second signal that I think worthwhile highlighting is also what the co-chairs have mentioned, which is that 
our opening now is no longer so much tied to what are the daily cases, but now also pivoting towards what capabilities we have built in suppressing every cluster, in testing, in quarantine, in tracing, in vaccination. So I think these are some, some shifts that you start to see. And then I really hope we have put CB as a tool behind us, that in the future with capabilities like these, we don't have to resort to big sledgehammer approaches like circuit breakers. Thank you, Ministers. We will have the next question from Chen Lin from Reuters. Uh, good afternoon, Ministers. I would like to clarify if Singapore is in talk with South Korea on the travel bubble. Um, and also, will you be able to just share with us maybe a, just a rough on um, like earliest by when can we expect like the first travel bubble between Singapore with you know any other country no, or if there's any update on the um, Singapore Australia travel bubble. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think when there are updates, we will make sure the media knows about it. But I can say, because I was previously, that was my previous role, I can say that there has been a lot of information exchange, exchange of views and ideas with many different partners about vaccination programs, vaccination certificates, how does it look? If it, at some point in time we need to mutually recognize certificates, how do we go about it? So all these conversations I'm sure is going on uh, between CAAS and their counterparts. With not just South Korea, with many different countries and regions. Thank you, Minister. We'll have the next question from Tseng Yi from Channel 8. Hi, Ministers and DMS. Uh, regarding the fast and easy test regime, uh, testing regime for staff involved in higher risk mass of activities, will they be subsidized and how often should these uh, staff be tested? Thank you. We are working out the modalities, uh, frequency of testing, how it should be done, whether it requires the worker to go to a centre or whether it can even be done on a self-administered basis but supervised by somebody. Uh, in the work setting. So those details will be released later by the relevant agencies. Uh, for a start, because of this period of heightened alert and the importance of ensuring that people are all tested frequently, particularly in these high-risk settings, the government will cover the cost of uh, this testing regime over the next three months. So we are doing that during this period because it's important to get everyone tested regularly and to put this in place. Beyond that, I think employers themselves will have to start thinking about um, incorporating these processes as part of their business continuity plans. Thank you, Minister. We have the next question from Irshad Tamil Marasu. Good afternoon, Ministers and DMS. I'm Irshad from Tamil Marasu. Uh, my question uh, takes reference from the rise uh, in incidents concerning overt racism in Singapore. Um, and like, you know, the Chaobao editorial, which has mentioned that the pandemic is one of the reasons, among others, that contributed to the rise in racism-related acts here. So what are your comments? How would you evaluate or possibly mitigate this social and societal impact of COVID-19 among our community? That's uh, one. And then I just wanted to ask uh, with regards to SHN for incoming uh, travellers, especially Singaporeans and permanent residents, when can they expect the number of days to be reduced to 14, you know, from uh, when they come from higher risk uh, countries? Currently it's 21. Thank you. Um, on the 21 days, MOH is looking at it. I think um, 
we have to look at well, what is the for the different variants, what is what is the typical incubation period? So we are gathering the data. Once we have the data, I think it will give us um, the evidence to do a proper review, and that should be uh, done quite soon. Your first question is a very important one. I think in times of stress, uh, this sort of fractures do happen, um, and uh, underlying sentiments come to the fore, and then it can sometimes erupt. But ultimately, our unity, our ability to work with each other, have trust and confidence in each other, despite our difference and our diversity, that is the most important antibody in our society to fight any crisis, not just this pandemic, any crisis. So it is most important that in this period where everyone is feeling a bit fed up, lots of stresses, social media has all kinds of bad news that always run faster than the good news, we must remember this fundamental DNA that as Singaporeans we share with each other, our trust, our confidence in each other, that we have come so far from far worse crisis to what we are today, and so continue to keep that unity and that resilience, and keep that trust. That's the main currency, the main antibody to fight against the pandemic. It's also a timely reminder to all of us that uh, multiracialism cannot be taken for granted. It is always work in progress, and we have to continue to strengthen our cohesion, and we continue to have to work hard. Uh, to, um, it's like a, a vaccination, you know, to vaccinate against, uh, us against uh, anti-racial uh, sentiments. So it's important for us to continue on this work, and this, uh, especially during this pandemic, we understand the stress level the people will be facing, and there will always be uh, a trigger point that may uh, flare up uh, uh, our sentiments. Uh, but it's important for us to always remember that we are a multiracial society and we need to continue to work with one another. And fun fundamentally, the virus does not recognize language, religion, or race. Just a quick point to add that, um, you know, in a crisis like this, you do see the best and worst sides of uh, humanity. Yes, there are negative incidents, overseas and in Singapore, you see them. Each time we see something like that happening, I think we should take a stand, make very clear that this does not represent us and we do not condone any such acts of racism or xenophobia. Uh, but we should not forget also that we have seen throughout this crisis and pandemic many, many positive sides of Singaporeans coming together. We have seen the best of the Singapore spirit at work people reaching out to their neighbours, their uh, you know, strangers, helping out one another, helping the workers in the dormitories, continuing to do so during this difficult period, um, you know, do, going the extra mile to take care of their fellow Singaporeans and everyone, and, and many people in the front line doing that, regardless of race, regardless of religion, crossing boundaries and being prepared to you know, go outside of their comfort zone to help one another. I think that strong spirit of solidarity and unity is amply demonstrated throughout this pandemic. Uh, the examples may not viral as much as a negative example sometimes, which is unfortunate, but we seek the help of the media to help us share these stories because they exist. They demonstrate Singaporeans truly you know, demonstrating solidarity and unity with one another and we should have confidence and faith that as we emerge through this pandemic we will emerge stronger 
better and more united. Thank you, Ministers. A gentle reminder to members of the media, please keep to one question per media only. We'll have our next question from Janice BT. Yep. Hi, Ministers. Janice from BT here. Uh, my question is, under what circumstances will the government change its current advisory of working from home as a default and actually allow more workers to go back to the office? I mean, this is also considering the livelihoods of businesses that do rely on human traffic from office workers. We continue to monitor, as I said, this is, uh, we are just emerging from this period of heightened alert, from phase two to phase three heightened alert. Uh, the embers are still there. We do not want to encourage too much movement. We resume activities progressively, but we do not want everything to happen all at the same time. Uh, and I think if we were to do that, uh, in the risk of cases coming up exploding into large clusters will be much higher and then we will uh, have difficulties down the road. So the experience last year was the same. We, when we emerged out of the circuit breaker last year, we did it gradually in a controlled manner. We resumed certain activities first and as we did so, overall situation remained stable. We started relaxing the work from home requirement from default setting to 50% and so on, right? So, so we will take the same sort of approach uh, in reopening our economy this time around. We are starting with a few sectors, as we have highlighted the two-step process. We will monitor the situation over the coming weeks, and if it remains stable, and as we look at the infection situation, things remain stable, cases remain generally low and under control, then we will, it will give us confidence. Uh, together with the fact that vaccination rates are higher, we, we continue to have a very good and comprehensive testing regime, then we, we will have confidence in the weeks to come to start uh, adjusting our work from home parameter. Can I also take this opportunity to appeal to our employers to uh, uh introduce more flexibility in terms of your employment uh, work arrangement even if we come out of uh, work from home as a default and allow more workers to go home we want to continue to encourage employers to allow their workers flexibility where possible if they can still work from home let them continue to work from home because uh, we understand that it is important for face-to-face uh, -face interaction in the workplaces in many uh, uh, situations but it is also important for us to continue to minimize the number of people in the community, interacting in the community. So even if we emerge from uh, work from home as a default, we would like to encourage employers to put in place flexible arrangement so that workers can continue to work from home if, if they can, and if they need to come back to uh, the workplace to interact and to work in the workplace, allow them to do so. So the flexible arrangement is very important. This will allow us to continue to, uh, to minimize the interaction in the community while allowing the economy to reopen. Thank you, Ministers. We'll take the next question from Singhui, SEMP. Oh, hi, hi, Ministers. Good evening. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I know you've answered this a number of times, but again, we wanted to find out whether there are any updates to the travel bubble in Hong Kong and when can we expect to to hear more about it now that the numbers are a lot lower in Singapore. I, I need to get an update from Minister Isharan. Um, as of now, because I, I know the agreement well, 
I do not think we have crossed the criteria for resumption. And even if we cross the criteria for resumption, as Minister Gunn mentioned earlier, we are in a very cautious state. And so we probably don't want to rush. It's important that at this state, embers are still there. We want to be quite cautious. But I do agree with you that we must get conversations going. There's really is, is no harm and in fact good to continue to talk to our various partners to see how we can restore our connections with the world safely when the time is right. Yeah. Thank you, Minister. And we will now take the final question from Sandra from ARD German Radio and Television. Good afternoon. Uh, do you have a message for the expats who are already who already call Singapore their home, but who are outside of the country right now and are not able to enter at the moment. Will they have the chance to come back after the 5th of July? And what will be their possible waiting time? I'm not sure uh, what is the reference to uh, 5th of July, uh, but we are very conscious that uh, uh, there are expats uh, who are coming uh, back to Singapore. They have been staying here and working from Singapore for many years. They may have gone back to their own country and now planning to return. Again, uh, this is uh, with regard to the border control, which uh, Minister Ong has explained extensively. I think we are constantly reviewing our border control uh, measures and in the immediate future, over the next couple of weeks, our focus is, uh, as uh, Minister Wong mentioned, opening up our local community and restarting our uh, economy, allowing more people together and allowing dining in uh, to commence. And once we are able to do so safely, this will give us uh, more space to uh, think about how we can uh, relax the control over the border. At the same time, we are also stepping up our vaccination to protect uh, Singapore population who are already here and at the same time ramping up our testing and uh, our, uh, as, our, as well as our contact tracing capability. And we are in a uh, position that's quite different from maybe uh, a few months ago. Uh, uh, we have uh, actually enhanced our capability in all these three areas and therefore this will allow us to relook at our border control measures and we, are, we have also even put in place more stringent protocol at the airport interfaces to minimize the risk of uh, transmission. So once all these are in place and we are able to open up uh, Singapore carefully, I think we'll be ready uh, to look at uh, adjusting our border control. And many of these, including uh, Singaporeans who are still overseas uh, today and they're planning to come home, and then we will be able to have a larger number of them uh, returning in time to come. But the uh, priority now is to ensure that uh, the local situation is stable and we are able to proceed with this uh, phase three heightened alert opening uh, in a safe way. And then after that, then we will have uh, more capacity to talk about uh, adjusting our border measures.